0: welcome to the all hoops podcast i'm your host steve inman joined by my great co-host and and producer to the stars chris Brito. the early results of the in-season tournament have been a huge success we're down to our final eight our new york knicks are one of those eight chris we're going to break down the final eight and who we think is going to represent the two finalists in vegas for the first annual nba cup Before we get to all that, Chris, my friend, how are you?
1: Hey, buddy! Happy to be here on another episode of the All Hoops Podcast. I think, I think we had our doubts about the play the in season tournament, but I think after the early returns, I think we both are having a great time. I think having the Knicks in it and having the Knicks be part of this top eight, I think, certainly increases like our interest in it. Um. And I actually think the Knicks have a viable chance to get to the final or at least the, you know, semifinal against whoever the winner between the Pacers and the Celtics are. Um, the Knicks almost beat the Bucks in their first game of the in-season tournament, and we didn't have RJ. So I think we, have a, we stand a good chance against them. Um, but I, the whole conversation brings up. Um, so two things. I think the Knicks have a chance to win the whole thing. Um, I'm not really scared of anyone on the West Western Conference side of the bracket. The only teams I'm afraid of are really the Celtics and the Bucks. So I think the other question that, that we both have argued about is whether if like the Knicks win it, do they hang up a banner at MSG? I'm of the camp that no, Uh, I think Simply because, you know, you work hard in the off season and during the season, not for this, you, you do it for the playoffs and the NBA finals. So, but that could also be just how I feel right now. Yeah. And when we win this, maybe I might feel differently, but that's how I feel right now.
0: (laughs) I'm actually on the other belief. I believe this is justified for any team to put up a banner if you win the whole thing. I don't think if you come in second, you are a finalist. I don't think you should put up a banner. I think if you are fine, if you win this whole thing, like if the Knicks are, they already, you know, went four and one during this, they're going to have to beat the Bucks, then likely Boston. And then, you know, a top Western conference contender, like the Lakers or the Suns, maybe the Kings are in there. You're going to have to go through three of those in a neutral site with everybody watching high intensity games. Why, why not put up a banner? Like if the Lakers win this thing, maybe they don't put up a banner because they've won 18 championships, but if you're Phoenix, if you're Sacramento. If you're new Orleans, I think you put up a banner. I think if you're the bucks who've won an NBA championship in the last few years, I think they also put up a, a banner. If the Knicks win this thing, I think they're going to put up a banner and I think they're going to get roasted for it, which is not fair. I don't think that's fair because I think a majority of these teams would do the same. I think if you're just the Lakers or the Celtics, the two most successful franchises, not just in the NBA, but kind of in sports, they might not do it for the first annual one. I think, I think it's justified to put it up. I don't see why not. It's, It's a fun thing. There's a big prize in the line. There's a trophy. They're trying to, if the NBA would encourage it, the NBA is trying to make this a, not a not a not one a one b with the finals but they're trying to make this the second most important thing of the year and i don't see why that's a problem to put up a banner for that if they can you know pull off a few upsets here it's not like they have to beat you know the bucks and they win it they have to beat the bucks then boston probably and then a top western conference team all in consecutive fashion after already getting to the final eight
1: i think you bring up some great points um i think i'm just not there yet on the importance of it i just think it's a fun thing like you said yeah. but you know i'm here for the ride uh, also
0: like i think you're right it depends on how these games go like if if for some reason the intensity drops off and this turns into kind of like a, a typical regular season game kind of like a uh all-star level feel to it where there's not a lot of defense being played throughout the game doesn't feel like that playoff environment then i think maybe i would change my mind but right now based on how things have gone the last few weeks in terms of teams are really going for this they're really trying to bust up point differentials you know the the celtics had to go tell those poor bulls hey uh, we're gonna beat you up today more than you think and here's why You know, it seems like everybody other than the Bulls are on the same page here that this is important. This is something they're going for. They're going to try to run up scores, which is awesome. At least they were during the point differential part. And I I think I'm just way more impressed with this than I thought I was going to be two weeks ago.
1: Yeah. And, you know, we had our ideas of how to make it better. But I do think that, like, overall, like, I'm very satisfied with the product that the NBA has put forth.
0: Absolutely. All right. Moving on to uh, who do you think is going to win this thing? Let's uh, let's hear your championship final oh, two predictions.
1: I think the Knicks can actually win this. I'm going to stick with that.
0: Well, oh, over who?
1: I think it'll be Knicks Lakers.
0: I mean, I'm trying to think of like how much money right. those tickets in Vegas. Knicks versus LeBron, the first ever in season tournament game. Like I it sort
1: of sells itself
0: i i mean you might be able to get like you know five hundred dollars a ticket more maybe more (laughs) like that's gonna be awesome so uh that would be awesome i think that would be something that uh for sure gets a banner like there's no way the knicks don't put up a banner for that (laughs) you've won in vegas for this first ever oh my god that would be awesome uh i'm gonna take the celtics i think they're gonna do it over uh I'm gonna say I'm gonna say the Celtics wind up beating the uh, Sacramento. I think that'll be a big a uh, big boost for Sacramento. You know they've played pretty well so far. Um, it seems like Fox is finally healthy here. The Fox a bonus combo is a uh, not Demetrae. easy. Yeah, um, so I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Boston. I don't think they put up the banner, <laughs> and then I think they beat the Sacramento Kings.
1: Yeah, I actually think um, yeah the Celtics I think are just are so freaking good and i hate to admit it <laughs>
0: yeah yeah um all right but uh moving on back to the knicks here there's been some articles and some talk about thibodeau in the second last year of his five-year contract this is now year four and um do you give him a contract extension coming up i mean as you know I have conflicting thoughts on this i don't think he's the best coach for them i think he might be better than I've kind of given him credit for because of two, two big reasons. And the biggest, most important reason is, is the stability. You've had a stable run for four years. And this is a group that has just not had that in our 20 plus years of Knicks fandom. They've not been able to be a stable group and to have a guy like this, who is from here, who wants to make it work here. It's not like he's going, well, you know, we'll see how it goes. Maybe I can get a better job somewhere else. He's, he wants to be here. He is, you know, probably the first one in gym. He's probably the last one out of the gym every day. And if that's a guy you don't really want to lose unless you think you have a much better option coming in. And I don't, I don't know if they have a much better option coming in. So while a three or four-year extension gives me some pause, and I would be surprised if a four-year extension didn't end ugly, it's probably the way to go because you just can't really have him being a lame duck coach. People questioning his authority, the media questioning his authority. You know, Julius Randall is not the easiest player to to manage. Now try managing that on a one year deal. I think that would be difficult. So, we talked about this before the show. I kind of said no. Now I'm kind of coming around to it and saying you probably should give Thibodeau the extension if it turns into a two year extension where he's under contract for next year and two more i would be happy with that anything after that i'm a little nervous about but that's probably what it's going to take
1: so it's funny to me because your whole reasoning is basically the same reason why you should resign him and i think you should because he's the best coach we've had in like 20 years or whatever there's
0: a lot he doesn't do well though like Uh no, no, no. Like, with the rotations, you know, when they have young players, more often than not, those young players get buried. Like Tappen did not get a chance. Whether that becomes a, a thing somewhere else that they'll regret doesn't look clear right now. He's playing very up and down with the Pacers. There are other guys in that mold as well, but the rotations think, are think, like.
1: Listen, I think here's my honest take with the OB and Hola. Uh, um, Cam Reddish situation. Like, I'm not. I'm not gonna sit here and pretend like can we lost out on something great with with Cam Reddish. Like, it took him playing with the best player of our generation for for them to get something
0: out of him. The That's- point with Cam Reddish was not that we're missing out on some great player. It's that he and the front office did not seem on the same page. They traded a first round pick for him, and then they just he was wasn't in the rotation. That's crazy, and like. That well, can't
1: So I think, I think generally speaking, the front office doesn't have a high. I don't know if they have as high of a value on that first round pick the way that we do. And I think that's been clear. Well, that's the that they, they dangle it like, like right. free candy. That's the general theme of this podcast.
0: But do they do that because they know their coach is not going to be playing young players that often? Like,
1: I think I think it was just one of those situations where you just see what you have in Cam Reddish and I think you know I think Tibbs at the end of the day has the final authority on how he wants to play those players and Cam Reddish probably didn't show what he needed to show and I think with the whole Obi situation like unfortunately I think Obi was always going to be capped because of Randall and you know god forbid something happens to Randall in terms of him getting injured We have no power forward solution there. So I think Obi Toppin is like the biggest black hole, a black eye in the tips uh, coaching coaching, uh, tenure. But overall, like stability, a guy who's crazy competitive, a guy who wants to be in New York, a guy who at the very least has raised the floor for the New York Knicks since he's been the coach. I think those are all great qualities to have in someone that you want to continue to have. And finally, the biggest reason too, is like, this team is improving. I think every year with him, Uh, with the one exception of the year that we, where we didn't make the playoffs.
0: Yeah. Uh, I mean, I get it. It's just like, I think they just to get where they need to go, they got to, they got to hit more threes. That might be a personnel thing that might not be. I think it's probably a little bit of both, and they got to play with a, a better pace. Like, this is like the fourth or fifth straight year well, where they're not like, running, they don't I, run. I just, and,
1: I just think that they just don't have the team for that. We have, we have
0: quickly, is a fast player, Barrett's a fast player, like Toppin well, was running. Why don't they try those things? It just well, that, seems like it's a away.
1: way, although we have. Two of the slower players on the roster with Randall and and Mitch.
0: Randall's not playing forty eight minutes.
1: No, no, I know, but that's why, like, that's why the the bench unit is so great because partly because we do a lot of that running gun style with right.
0: that. I mean, um, New York right now is playing at a pace of ninety eight and a half. Oh, super okay? slow. Yeah, that is twenty eighth in the league. <laughs> Only the Bulls and the Rockets are worse. And so does that mean they should be running every play? No, but I just feel like the offense is not imaginative enough. And that is a lot on the coach.
1: It is. I guess
0: I would give him the extension. I would give him the extension. I'm just saying the reason why this is a debate to me is because they kind of are what they are. I don't really see this team dramatically improving. I don't really see them going down, downgrade as well. It's just like they are what they are.
1: They are what they are, which is not a bad not bad in theory. They're a fourth or fifth seed right now in the East. Um, And I think they'll probably finish out that way when the season's over. But I which think we would take. Right, which we would take. So I think you're sort of banking on sort of like the younger guys improving, and I think they will. And um, maybe we'll get a, a good player down the line, and I think we'll see where we go from there. But I don't know. I um, I just the other point being, like, in this situation, who is the grass greener? Like, who is who is the person that will take us to that to that promised land?
0: That's the thing. Like, that's why you win this argument because I don't have that guy. I really don't. I kind of thought it was Quinn Snyder, and then he takes this Hawks job, and that has not gone well. (laughs) Like, offensively, they're a mess. Defensively, they're a mess. You're not really sure who should be part of this core, and. He has to take some blame for that, and so yeah, I don't really have a set guy that I'm like, this is the guy.
1: And I'll be honest, the only way I see Dolan moving on from Thibodeau is if they get a guy who is on that Knicks tree, kind of like a Van Gundy type, or like, oh, he will and be the guy.
0: coach in twenty years.
1: No, no, I know, I hear you. Right, I'm just saying, like, that has been historically what sort of like the Knicks like
0: he's only going to pick a guy and give him that big five-year deal that he trusts and there's not that many guys out there like that so to have a Thibodeau who's kind of running it his way or the highway might actually be better than the next hand-picked Dolan guy who's going to have to listen to Dolan so I think that's really important here um but yeah I think
1: you're right he does have autonomy and I think it's good to have in a coach
0: all right, Chris, let's get to our final thoughts right after this. All right, Chris, final thoughts here. Um, I thought it was crazy the other day. The Mavericks went on a 30 to nothing run midway through the fourth quarter to take a big lead. Not a big lead, but they took a lead on the Thunder. Very impressive game. It was just a crazy thing. But the Thunder still managed to hang on and win. And for a young team to take a hit like that that you might not see again all year, and still find a way to come back and win that game that's just so impressive the thunder are for sure a playoff team to me chris
1: i mean right now they're the one of the top teams in the west regardless of um sorry i had some audio problems um regardless of how this like season plays out i think okc has definitely taken that step forward in large part to because of shit
0: Right. No, I mean, but it's him, it's Shea, it's Doerr, you know, they still have 10 billion picks. Like in theory, any superstar that comes available, they in, could go get them with the best offer on the table for any player, like any player. It's really just unreal what they've been able to do. And, uh, you know, we go back and forth on whether tanking works and this and that, but it's working so far for the Oklahoma city thunder. That is what I would say about that. Um you know, they 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 move Paul George, they get a, a building block in SGA, they bottom out and they get the number two pick, they take Chet, you obviously got to get the right players involved. That is the most important part. You can have 10 swings at the, uh, at the pinata and you could go, you know, five for 10, or you can go 10 for 10. And it feels like more often than not, the Thunder go 10 for 10.
1: I think it's hard to say whether tanking works or not un- until a team wins a championship, to be honest.
0: Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, We'll be debating those those Thunder rosters for uh, the next few years. I have a feeling. Uh, What else do you think is uh, going on that's impressing you right now, Chris?
1: Like I'll say, like with the Thunder, like with them losing, it took what four losing seasons or three losing seasons for that to happen. Yes, it did. Yeah. Yeah, but I will say that I don't think this team is as good as it is if they don't get Shea, which Shea wasn't wasn't was really just part of like the rebuild the fast track rebuild at the yeah really? um you know the our our friend mitch is minnesota timberwolves have really been impressing me i think i've been surprised by the way that they are just so great defensively and i think for all the fanfare that we gave that trade last season i'm still not sure if we would still do that trade but i think it's sort of paying off dividends now where like the, the the wolves are just one of the best teams in the West. And like we didn't have them in that position really to start this. Right. I don't, think, I I forget, I forget whether we even had them in our play in teams, like to start That's this a
0: Great question. We'll have to go back and look. I think we did. I think we had them as a play in team each. I think the, what you're thinking, I think of Memphis, I think we had them out because we just saw the jaw suspension was going to be too much. We didn't think they would be this bad where it's just like they were oh, the worst in the league. But at the same time, um Minnesota looks great and I kind of take the approach with Minnesota that you take with Oklahoma City. Let's see what they do in the playoffs now. Obviously having a big regular season, potential 50 win season is impressive, but if they get bounced in the first round, I'm still going to think that Rudy Gobert deal is one of the worst deals of the whole decade. And so if you you
1: reach if you reach the western conference finals is that a still a bad trade
0: just once so like
1: let's say you make the let's say let's say you make it twice but you don't win it
0: are you competitive in those games the blazers made a western conference finals once it got swept is that does that count like is it the bracket shook right it depends how it goes like If the Timberwolves look like a legit contender for a few years, you, I will make, you could say, yes, the trade is worth it. If Mm. they look like a team that got better, but never really was a legit contender, I don't think it's worth the four first round picks and Walker Kessler and taking out Rudy Gobert 40 million a year. So it's just, it's just such a large trade that like you're, you're. The way it works, and it's the same thing with the Anthony Davis trade, and obviously Anthony Davis is a much better player, but when you give up that haul, you have to go win a championship for it to be worth it. You really do. And so you really or at least get to a finals, and maybe you can justify, okay, we had a competitive Western Conference Finals. Like, you you lose it in six games, and it's like, wow, if we played a little tiny bit better, we could have won a couple of those games. Sure.
1: I will say, like, the person that deserves the most credit in all of this, because we probably weren't the people who, like, saw the vision, but, like, Chris Finch, the, the coach of the Wolves, like, like to imagine a team in today's NBA to have those two bigs and sort of make it work the way he has so far, like, it's kind of impressive, you know? Very impressive.
0: Very impressive. And that's one of the reasons why I didn't like that trade, because I just didn't think a coach could make that work. And Chris Finch deserves – is just certainly going to deserve some coach of the year votes, mm-hmm. especially considering how it's not like those two came together and gelled immediately. They had a rough year last year. And to yes. have them both here together playing their – I wouldn't say Towns playing his best basketball. I would be saying they're, they're both playing well. And to have them both playing well in a league where – there really is not two big men anywhere both playing well at the same time. Like the only other team that's even trying this is Cleveland with Mobley and Allen and Mobley hasn't really gotten better. Allen's missed a lot of time. They almost look like Minnesota last year. So (laughs) I think, uh, I think Chris Finch, that's a great, great point. And I think right now, if you were to decide, he's probably the coach of the year.
1: Oh, easily. Yeah.
0: Him him or uh, uh, or, or, or Orlando. Yeah,
1: that's
0: good. I'm going to tell you about a guy who's not going to get Coach of the Year. That's Ty Lue and his Clippers. Not to Ty Lue's fault, they have four guys who need the ball. They've they've kind of gone win, loss, win, loss, win, loss last few uh, weeks. They've just you know split a home and home with the Warriors. They're nine and ten. I don't really see this improving significantly. I think they're a playing team. I think this was a bad trade. And I think they all this trade will signify is they, they save the Sixers. That doesn't mean the Sixers don't win a championship, but it means the Sixers feel free. They're playing fun basketball where the Clippers feel like it just doesn't feel fun right now.
1: Well, it's funny you say that because the Sixers played the Celtics pretty tough on Friday night without Embiid. Yeah. And I think it speaks to what you're saying that like a lot of these players on the Sixers are like touching the rock. Um, and then back to your Clippers point, I still think it's too early to really, like, condemn them. I think at the – their floor is playing team. I think they could probably reach a six seed. Um, they're, you know, I think they're still trying to get their foothold on things, and I, I think it's still too early. I think, you know, I think we'll get a better idea. I think, what, it's been a month since they've had Harden?
0: Uh, about a Yeah, about a month.
1: Yeah. I, I would give it to at least the all-star, all-star breaker, the trade deadline to really like,
0: enough. you have no other options. Like he's part it's of the team true. For the rest of the year. So well, you're I guess, I guess,
1: I guess more to, I guess I say that more to see what this team actually is. um, But you know, <laughs> you All know. right.
0: Fair enough. Yeah. We, will, uh, <laughs> we will certainly see how it goes, but that's going to do it for us here on the All Hoops podcast. I thank Chris. I thank our, uh, our thank watchers you, on YouTube our listeners on Spotify and Apple. We'll be back next week to talk some more NBA action.
1: Bye, everyone.